everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. This is Gabe Estel with Jonathan Getz and Dennis Levi Leach. And tonight we've got a very special guest, the drummer from the fantastic Steepwater Band out of Chicago, Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Winters. Joe, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well, man. Thanks so much for this. Um, we've all been fans of Steepwater for quite a few years, and uh, we're really looking forward to talking to you. Um, Joe, if you don't mind, man, for the uninitiated, for the listeners that might not be familiar with Steepwater, could you give us kind of Steepwater 101 in sort of a condensed form, uh, you know, your origins and your influences? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're a rock and roll band out of Chicago. We've been together for 18 years, just traveling around playing gigs. Um, We've been all over the United States and Europe. We play about 150 gigs a year. We've got about, I don't know, five studio records out now. Um, and uh, a website, steepwater.com. You can get all the information there. But, uh, yeah, we're out playing all the time and uh, got a brand-new record out right now. We're out on the road uh, touring behind. It's called Shake Your Face. Outstanding, yeah. Um, if you could maybe tell us, like, you know, what are some of the bands that influenced Steepwater, Joe? Well, well, actually, the bass player Todd and myself, Todd Bowers and myself, we met the uh, the lead singer, lead guitarist uh, Jeff Massey. We met him at a Black Crows concert. We were all uh, there to see the Black Crows in 1996, and uh, I think it was kind of a love of like blues and blues rock, you know, the stuff that that kind of influenced the Black Crows that we all dug into at the same time. Uh, groups like Rolling Stones, The Faces, and even further back than that, we all really loved blues music like Muddy Waters and uh, Howlin' Wolf, Elmore James, John Lee Hooker, stuff like that. So it sounds like kind of a shared appreciation amongst all, among all three of you then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the new record, Shake Your Faith, it sounds great. Um was was the approach to that new record different from any of your former LPs? Um, not necessarily, no. Uh, we had a different producer, a guy named Jim Wirt, that uh, He's kind of an all-over-the-map guy that's produced records for uh, an array of different artists. Uh, Fiona Apple, he, he worked with. He worked with uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra and um, uh, who else? Uh, L.A. Guns, a bunch of... He's all over the map, this guy, and uh, we got hooked up with him in Cleveland, Ohio, at a studio called uh, Crush Tone Studios, where he's working out of now, and he, he produced the record, so whenever we work with a producer, we kind of, uh, we it's an open palette, and we don't, you know, put any kind of restrictions on the ideas that they bring to the table as almost like a fifth member, so he, he had, you know, his ideas came into play a lot with vocal harmonies and a little bit with arrangements and, and some different instrumentation with uh, some keyboards and, and some percussion instruments and things. And, and uh, we rolled with it. So if, if it sounds any different from our previous records, it, it wasn't necessarily on purpose. We were just kind of coming up with whatever songs we were coming up with and, and letting this producer, Jim Ward, just kind of, you know, do his thing. And we were having fun doing it. Cool. Yeah, um, you know, there's uh, Eric Saylor, uh, Sailors uh, has been with the band now for a few years, Joe. But this is the first LP, um, you know, of, of new material that he's he's played on. Um, how how did, how did Eric, um, you know, sort of complete the sound? Um, 
you know, it seems like he was a pretty important contributor to this record, and uh, especially your, now you're with your live shows as well. Yeah, very much so. You know, he's a he, he plays guitar. He also plays lap steel, and and uh, and some mandolin on this record as well. And uh, so he's kind of a anything stringed instrument kind of guy. And uh, also, when 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 joining our band, there weren't wasn't, weren't any limitations as to what his ideas, you know, his input was going to be. So he showed up with riffs and songs and arrangements and ideas and. And, and melody even and wh- whatever and and we were open to it because as a member of, of this band you know the more creativity available to us the more you know the better even for us so yeah he definitely was a big part of the, of the sound and the, and the ideas that were coming out and uh, maybe that is a little also why this record has a little different sound from previous records who knows he definitely plays all kinds of strings instruments all over it Excellent. Yeah, well, he's he's a great addition, man. I've, I've been able to see him live a few times, and um, Steepwater oh, cool. was great before, and uh, it's just uh, it's even better now, man. So excellent. Right on. Thank you. Good so addition. Much. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well, how has the road changed at all in the last eighteen years? Would you say the road, like playing, being out playing gigs? Yeah. Has there been any um, changes at all? Um. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely vital because, you know, people don't really sell records without being out. It's kind of like, especially for a band like ours, you got to bring it, you got to bring the record out to the to the people in the clubs. You know, um, I think for bands bigger than us, it definitely changed in the fact that the same kind of group, groups that were selling a lot of records aren't selling records, like hard copy records anymore, so... They have to play dates to kind of make it up for the, you know their income and whatnot. And for for the the same perspective from us, if we're not out playing, we're we're not really getting music to people. As, as much as people discover music on the internet, I feel it's almost even more important to be out finding your audience all the time and finding new people to to, to turn on to what you're doing and and have them actually buy music from you at your shows. And, you know, and, and there still are a lot of hardcore people that, that like to see it, hear it, buy it from you, a physical copy of it, you know, and put it in their car or whatever. So I, I don't know if it's really changed, but I could say it's definitely become, it's definitely as important as ever, if not even more important, to be out playing shows all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what are some of the favorite your favorite venues that the bands played, Joe? Um, you guys, I mean, you guys have been all over, but um, what uh, what are some of your favorite venues? Some of the favorite venues that you have played? Well, I can tell you, my number one favorite that I've ever played is uh, that the band has ever played. It's it's a outdoor venue in Barcelona, Spain. It's called the Pablo Español, mm-hmm. and we we did a we did a show there in two thousand seven where. We opened for Government Mule and John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. And, and this, this particular outdoor venue in Barcelona, uh, has been called, uh, Bob Dylan actually called it his favorite venue in Europe to play. And, uh, being on that stage, it's kind of like in a little town square in Barcelona with, with like buildings all around it and like a bunch of like people hanging out on balconies and, and, it's nice. a really cool open air place. So 
that's number one for me. Um, stands out. You know, I like some of our Chicago venues a lot. I, I still have a, a a soft spot for Metro. I I, I love Metro and yeah. and the, the experiences I've had playing at Metro will always be some of my favorites. And and Double Door is right up there as well. And and uh, for anybody watching the news today in Chicago, I guess a judge ordered the Double Door to uh, vacate the premises. Oh, oh God, um, man. I guess they they lost their their lease lawsuit or whatever. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm hearing mixed stories. People are saying that it might not be over yet, but the, the judge did order it just this afternoon. So, uh, but yeah, Double Door in Chicago is also we we recorded a live record there back in uh, 2010. I want to say or 11. No, maybe it was nine. Whatever it was. Uh, we have a, a live record live at the Double Door, and I have a lot of great memories from playing there as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. You you mentioned the venue in Spain. Um, the band, it seems, has received a really warm reception from Spanish rock fans. Like, Do you think there's a reason that Steepwater's connected so well with them? And, and how was touring throughout the other parts of Europe? Oh, it's always it was great this last trip. We were there from uh, mid-April until just about Memorial Day this year, and uh, it's always been great. People, um, I, I think in general, Spain, the Spanish audiences really like like roots, like American roots rock. We introduced to to the Spanish audiences at a, a festival that we got invited to in 2005 called the Azquina Rock Festival. Ah, uh, yeah. It was a big fest. We played in front of a lot of people. We played with Wilco. Nice. And truckers at that. And uh, it, it was it was a matter of not even weeks, and we had people calling, wanting to make, you know, put together a club tour after that for us. So we're, we're embraced out of the gate over there, and uh, a lot of the, the magazines, there's, there's a couple of big Roots Rock magazines over there, um, one called Popular One, and, and they've always written you know, good articles about us and reviewed, given us good reviews on our, our, our tours and on our records. And, and it's been a steadily building thing for us in Spain. Um, and as far as the rest of Europe goes, this time around, we went to Germany and Holland and Switzerland and the Czech Republic and Poland. And, and everywhere we went, it seemed like it's catching on a little more for us. So, um, yeah, we, we intend to go back there. We're, it sounds like we're going there at least a couple times next year, probably. Right on. Oh, oh yeah, man. Uh, well, some some lucky European fans. Um, you know, one of the bands that you had shared a bill with before, uh, Joe, was Government Mule. Um, and I, I think you mentioned in an interview um, a few years ago that Warren Haynes, a Government Mule, took you guys on his bus and told you some Alan Woody stories. Alan's kind of a... A, a musical hero of of the of the host of this podcast. Um, are there any of those stories that you can share? If not, you know, no problem. Um, but yeah. Well, well, you know, unfortunately, if, if I'm remembering the time correctly, Jeff and Todd went on the bus with oh, okay. Warren that night. It was the last night we did like a week long tour with them, and yeah. at the end of it, Jeff, I don't think I did. I think I was like moving merch. <laughs> yeah, like I, while they were hanging out, I think I was moving the merchandiser. But the I life of a drummer. Specific, yeah, I, exactly. I I don't have any specific stories, but um, 
you know, they were so good to us. And, and I mean, really, you know, accommodating and they gave us a great, like, you know, a great set every night, like 45 minutes or an hour. I, I forget, but we, we, it was just so great to be out with those guys. And, and Warren would come every night. He would come to our dressing room and make sure that, we were okay. Everybody was got something to eat or whatever it was that, you know, pre-show, whatever, see if we needed anything. And, and they even, they even had Jeff and Todd, uh, sit in with the band a couple of times. And if you go to YouTube and put in for anybody out there listening, if you put in YouTube government mule and steep water band, there's videos of, of those guys sitting in with, with the mule and on some of those nights in, in the Midwest and, it was a really magical time for us, for sure. Yeah, they, you did politician with them, didn't you? I think. Exactly, they did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what. I've and, seen and that one video night, when I it think, kicks ass. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool, so cool. Yeah. I, every time I see it, I'm like, wow, that really happened. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, right on, man. You guys opened for Bon Jovi at the United Center, which was sold out. We should add. And uh, what does a Bon Jovi crowd look like? Yeah, that's probably one of the weirdest weirdest gigs I've ever played. <laughs> um, we got we we got to do the gig through the Loop radio station, which is a classic rock radio. While it, it kind of sounded, you know, like maybe that wasn't such a great idea. Um, what we found out was, for every like middle aged housewife that was hanging out, you know, they brought their man with them, who was probably like a little grumpy to have to go and bring their wife or their girlfriend. <laughs> and then they got there and they saw the suit up there ripping fly guitar. And so all the dudes like usual at our gigs were like, yeah, these guys are rocking. You could tell all the dudes were into it <laughs> while there was some grumpy looking like middle-aged women or even teenage girls that were kind of going like, who are these long haired guys? You know, like weird, but, but fun, man, you know, definitely, yeah. uh, an experience to get get on a big stage in front of twenty thousand people at the United Center, and 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 you know, I mean, I saw the Stones play there. I saw uh, Paul McCartney play there, and you know, and a bunch of cool Bulls games when Jordan was playing. And and to think that you know we were we were playing there that night for thirty minutes in front of twenty thousand people. It, it was pretty pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, you know. Some of the Seepwater's music, Joe, has been featured on some TV shows and movies. What was that process like? I mean, um, was it was it just kind of sort of music supervisors reaching out to you? They discovered you, or did you know somebody? Pretty pretty much. Uh, it's kind of a mix of. A, sometimes they're looking for something specific. Yeah. We do have a couple of. We have actual like uh, some songs that are in like catalog houses in California. Okay. Our blues rock song. And they call these these placement houses and say, hey, I'm looking for this song or a song that sounds like this. And maybe they don't have the kind of money to spend on like an Allman Brothers song or something. So they're looking for something like that. So they're sure. a catalog house and then they'll go through their, you know, extensive catalog of songs and go, oh, what about this song? So it's kind of it works that way sometimes. But we've also been reached out directly from Universal Pictures but, uh, for the movie Five Year Engagement, they were looking for something specific and our song for to mm-hmm. use one our songs from our Revelation Sunday record. And uh 
but it kind of works in, in, in different ways. And for us, it's just a way for more people to find out about our band. So, um, you know, we're, we're open to that. It's a way to make extra money and for more people to find out about you. So it's, it's really a great thing for like an independent band like ours, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was it was uh, I was watching Friday Night Lights one time a few years ago and it uh it was certainly uh it made me happy to to hear a Steepwater song on there. So, that was really cool. Yeah, you know, I've never seen that. I heard about that, but yeah. uh I don't think I've ever actually seen the episode the way I I've always meant to look that up, but um yeah, I mean, stuff like that and 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 especially sees it and you get like a text message and they're like, "Man, I was watching TV." And, and your song came out. It's so cool. It's like, like stuff like that is, it, 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 it's, to me, it's, it never gets old. You know, it never, it never loses its like specialness. Like even getting the little bit that we ever get played on the radio or, or even like this podcast, you know, it's like when, when, when this is done and we publish it and people listen to it and, and, and maybe I'll even go back and listen to it. And like, well, that's so cool that that got out there. So like people will listen to, I'm, I'm fascinated by all of it still, you know, like just like when you're a teenager, you're like hoping you could get ever get played on the radio or get in a movie. And then, you know, and your band name is in the credits. It's like, wow, that is just so cool. I hope it happens like a thousand more times, you know? Yeah. Yeah, us too, man. Yeah. Steepwater has a, a big blues and rock influence, obviously. Are, are there any other favorite albums or drummers of yours that would surprise us? Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of all over the map. Like, I like blues, rock, jazz, country, metal. I like everything. So, um, you know, as a young guy, I was really into heavier rock. Um, so... I mean, I don't know if it would really surprise. It wasn't like I was into like death metal or anything, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I mean, like, like any kid growing up in the eighties, I liked Van Halen and Aerosmith and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do, I do like a lot of jazz. I own a bunch of Miles Davis and John Coltrane. And, uh, at the same time, you know, I own some motorhead records. It's like, I'm kind of all over the map with, with everything. So maybe that would surprise people a little bit, but otherwise not really. I mean, I'm pretty like, like right now I'm really into, um, like the, the new mud crutch record, Tom Petty and those guys with their old band. And it's kind of like my favorite record right now, which would be right in the kind of wheelhouse of the kind of music that we make, you know? So Miles to Motorhead, good is good, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. what I say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh yeah, and I'm and I'm also, as long as we're talking on oddball stuff like that, I I really and and this this would be a shout out to Big George too, uh, big Alice Cooper fan, and kind of try to go see him when, like, if I'm around and he's playing, like I go out to see his shows like all the time because I don't know, it's just fun still. Like I love going to see him. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think he's a guy over the last few years too that's finally started. I mean, like he, he was certainly popular in the '70s and '80s, but I think I think a lot of people are, are starting to realize how important Alice was to to rock and roll. You know? Um, yeah, very much. Yeah, that's that certainly makes me happy. Um, Joe, and if you can share it, I I heard a 
a, a story once of a phone call that you made to uh, a pretty famous guitarist, right? A, a guitar god, <laughs> if you will. If you oh. can share a, a condensed version of that story with us, if you can share it, that would there's be no, awesome. There's no, there's no possible way to share a condensed story. You, you had three, two and a half hours to do a podcast. Okay. Can, yeah. Then I could start talking about it. I really, I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, uh, <laughs> we, we had, we, we had a, a phone relationship with Eddie Van Halen that he would call us in our, in our van. As crazy as it sounds, he would call us in our van while we were on tour at random times. So we would call him and That's we, awesome. we got his, we got his number through a friend of a friend. I can't really say who, but, sure. uh, but, um, and, it's so hard to even get started. I, what we should do, if you guys are, if, if there's ever any remote way to do it, we should do like a two hour podcast where we just tell the story because it's We're literally in. a two hour story. Yeah. I mean, it's, We're it's, in. We're in. Yeah. it's the craziest stuff that's ever happened. It's the craziest thing that's ever happened. But, right. uh, um, yeah, you know, we haven't talked to him in a long time. It was kind of a, it was a time period thing. And, uh, we hope Ed's out there doing good wherever he might be. May, who knows? Maybe he likes baseball, and maybe he's <laughs> checking out the podcast right now. I don't know. Hey, Ed. I really hope so. Yeah. Um, well, well, good, man. We will. We will. That story will be to be continued. Yeah, we will so. definitely take you up on that offer. Excellent. Well, yeah, it would know. be. It would be fun. We've we've talked about like doing like a YouTube video where the three of us tell the story and like publish it and just you know like put it up on YouTube. And, but I don't even, it's so crazy. I don't even know if people would believe it or not. Like, like, the <laughs> yeah, that, it's, I, it's we, insane, part, but. parts of it should be animated for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly how we got to do it. That would be awesome. amazing. Awesome. Well, good deal. Well, well, the other part of our our podcast our podcast deals with baseball, so we're going to close with those questions, a couple of those questions, if that's all right, Joe. Um, now, you're you're a Cubs fan, right? Am I am I am I right there? I am huge Cubs okay. fan. All right. Well, how, how, but, how do you... but if I can if I can say I'm actually a Cubs and Sox fan, and right. and most mostly a Cubs fan, but um, I actually worked as a bat boy for the White Sox in 1983. So, uh, at, at the old Comiskey. Yeah. So, really? There's some elite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just... It it ugly, was, I was, yeah, exactly. It was, it, it was. It was the year that they won the division. So I didn't did, travel with them or anything. I, I It was just like like a couple of home games, and it was just a little part-time. It's like an assistant bat boy. But, uh, um, but I grew up in a household of Cubs fans, so I could kind of say I'm bold, but I'm really... I, I, I'm really a Cubs fan at heart. Did they let you keep that sweet 1983 Bat Boy uniform? You know they didn't. No, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't have it. And and you know I noticed I noticed that those guys are wearing those uniforms yeah. once in a while this year right yeah. now, and they're they're as ugly as they ever were, man. I can't believe yeah. they're that they they put those back on. You know I. Ugh. Yeah, uh, baseball is kind of going through a, a flirtation with vintage charm right now. You know what I mean in terms of uniforms. So uh, very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So well, with the Cubs, man. I mean, obviously, I, I would assume you're you're pretty pretty excited about. Okay, let's. It's been a rough maybe three or four weeks here, but um, yeah, are, oh, yeah. How, how do you feel about how do you feel about them going into the second half, man? How do you how do you feel? 
Man, I, I don't, you know, as a Cub fan, you can't get too excited about anything. So, I, I honestly, people make fun of me, but, like, when when they're, like, down and out and they're, like, losing 100 games, I almost enjoy it more because, like, I don't got to worry about it. Like, I'm like, cool, <laughs> I know for sure that we're going to lose 100 games. I don't have to get it. I don't have to worry. So, I could just, like, relax and watch the game and whatever. But where they're at right now, I mean, they look good out of the game. I never take it for granted. Man, you just never know. I, th- I think it was the 77 Cubs that had about the same record around the same time, around the All-Star break, and they completely collapsed and didn't even win the division. So, um, you know, if they if they can get healthy, if they can, can get a couple key guys healthy, and, and, and I really think that they need to make a move before the trade deadline for, for bullpen pitching. You can't, you can't expect to go into, you know, like the crunch time late in the season and win close games without really strong bullpen. And I, I, I really don't think the guys that they got out there right now are, are I, I don't mean to sound cynical, but I just don't think they're, they're capable of closing up close games, man. I mean, yeah, they need they, a little relief. They they might even need a, a bona fide closer. You know, I I I don't know. And and every year, year after year after year, I sit in the off season and I go, man, are they going to get good relief pitching this year? And it seems like even when they bring marquee names and and you know and they bring up these kids that they've been grooming for years that are dynamite guys in the you know and position players that can hit. They always forget to get relief pitching, and I think if they're going to go to the playoffs, if they're going to compete, they got to do it before the trade deadline. Yeah. And that's just my personal feelings on it. Oh yeah, as a Cubs fan, I, I also agree wholeheartedly with all that. You know, they uh, they had like probably the worst last twenty five games going into the All Star break out of any of the teams. You know, so yeah, awful, awful, and and I don't know what's going on with some of the starting pitchers either. I mean. You know, I I was kind of shocked that Hamill and and Lester started out as good as they did. I I, I mean, I know they got talent. I know that they're expected to perform like that. But I I, I was not that sure going in. But they they proved everybody. You know, I mean, they proved me wrong out of the gate. They were great. But now things have kind of chilled out for some of those guys, and they're going to have to find that magic again with the starting pitching too. So. It'll be interesting. I, I, you know, as a Cub fan, you gotta, you gotta take it day by day, week by week, because you yeah. never know what could happen. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, the Cubs... century by century, sometimes. <laughs> anyway, Ooh. yeah, right. <laughs> so, so the Cubs just called up Joe Winters, and he's uh, coming up to his first at bat at Wrigley Field. What, what's your walk-up song? Oh wow, I never thought about that. Um, Hmm. <laughs> right, right, probably just because it's on my mind right now. I mean, I, crazy, but um, a song. I mean, a, a cool current song right now that would would be a song called "Dreams of Flying" by Mud Crutch. And so maybe I would just use that because it's like my favorite song right now. I don't know. Cool. 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 All right. If you're if you're like us, you would probably change it every at bat. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Are there guys that do that, or do they pick one for the whole summer and that's it? I think they, yeah, I think they have to stick with one. 
and uh, may, maybe change it a couple times in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you what do you do? You come to the ballpark, and you're like in the clubhouse, and you go in what you you go into Madden's office and be like, hey man, I I, I need my 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 walk up song changed. Like I I can't play today, and like you call the front offices, and I need that song changed today, or I can't I can't bat. I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that goes on, you know. Yeah, if it was if it was a uh, if it was a, a superstitious hitter who was valuable to the team, they might accommodate him. You know, they, so. they might. They might. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, Joe, thanks so much for talking to us, man. We really appreciate this, and we wish you safe travels on the road and the best for Steepwater. Um, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate this. This was really fun. Thank you guys for asking me to do it, and I could sit here and talk. I mean, baseball. Thanks a lot for, you know, like making it such a huge part for, for our, our band. Um, you know, um, if anybody's out there listening, wants to check it out, it's steepwater.com is the website. You can find out all the tour dates and everything about the band there. And, uh, really appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. I'd like to thank the drummer from the Steepwater band, Joe Winters, for sitting in with us tonight. A lot of fun talking to Joe, and he had some great stories. Also, you can learn more about the Steepwater Band at steepwater.com. You can follow them also on Twitter and Instagram at the Steepwater Band. So check them out on social media. And also when they come to your town, go see them live. You won't be disappointed. Um, Also, you can find out more about us at rockchew.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at rockinchew. That's rock in as in nasty all right it's great Um, getting all those birthday updates yes absolutely yeah so check us out there um you know we post a lot of fun stuff uh as well as you know get some conversations going on twitter and instagram too so again that's rockchew.com and then on twitter and instagram at rock in chew and then also like us on facebook as well and tell all your friends to do the same uh we will see you next time for episode number 61 take care peace